0: Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Dirty Pink Okami. I'm your host, Samantha Gavgian-Clark. If you had a chance to listen to the pilot episode, you've gotten a little sample of what I expect a typical episode to be like. A couple of guests, particular topic of discussion, etc. But today, I want to do something a little unusual by way of cohering this podcast for you as listeners. Because the iTunes description reads, Dirty Pink Okami, a podcast on politics, poetry, and witchy shit featuring the dirtiest of the dirtbag left. And I feel like that could very quickly be confusing. Like, how do all of these things relate to each other? Who's this weirdo hosting a show about politics, poetry, and like, witchy shit? Like, what does all of that even mean? So I want to talk about that a little bit and tell you some personal stories to explain why I'm doing this podcast the way I'm doing it and why I'm doing it right now. So this is going to be a solo episode, which won't be typical, so I apologize in advance that you have to listen exclusively to the sound of my stupid voice for the next, like, 20 minutes or so. But bear with me, because I think this is really important. So to start, I think I should give you a bit of background on who I am and what I do. I'm a poet, which I've been doing since I was like 10 years old, um, and I've done all kinds of other writing too, including some journalism, blogging, freelance writing, um, and of course I excel in the old tweets, you know. (laughs) Primarily though my medium is poetry, particularly because it's not just a skill I have that I enjoy like the rest of my writing but it is actually the medium through which I do my own sort of DIY philosophy. Um, and that's something I plan to have some actual philosophers on to talk about soon too, the relationship between poetry and philosophy. I also I work for the Unpopular Opinion Podcast network, primarily on social media. But I also do stuff with the website and some research and writing, and once in a while I'll come on one of the shows as a guest when Adam particularly wants a commie in the room. (laughs) I've dabbled in podcasting myself, but gave up for a while when my first show fell through, and I only recently started trying to get a new one going. And I was initially... Motivated by the objective worsening of conditions here in the United States, I was fresh off Occupy Ice, and I had recently joined the DSA after falling out with my last organization, and I realized I needed to shift gears in my activist work and start, like, really putting my actual skills to use. So, I recorded the pilot episode in September with that mindset. I hadn't initially planned for the show to be focused on poetry and what I'm calling my witchy shit, um, as much as on politics and news though I was already starting to try to figure out how I could incorporate advocating for poetry into the show. But in October, a number of incidents in my personal life made me start to change my mindset yet again on what exactly I should be doing. So first, and actually, I should probably provide a content warning here for drugs, rape, and sexual assault. So maybe skip ahead a few minutes or skip this episode if you think hearing about this will do damage to you. But... Essentially, I had something slipped into my drink at a local bar on October 2nd and ended up coming off an overdose in the emergency room that night. The doctors, of course, couldn't test for the drug because it's essentially impossible to do that if you don't already have some of idea some idea of what to test for because there are just so many concoctions out there that people use for this purpose, sold on the black market and so on, which is understandable. I didn't necessarily need to know what drug it was, but it would have helped a lot they hadn't also kept implying that I was just drunk. Like, I'd had two drinks on a Tuesday afternoon after work. I think that probably wasn't the reason I nearly stopped breathing. My partner and two of my friends were there with me at the hospital, thankfully, and, like, reassured me not to listen to that implication. They told me, you know, you're absolutely right. This isn't normal for you. I've seen you drunk before. I know what this is. You know, you're you're totally right. But, I mean, the gaslighting is not helpful. <laughs> I mean, thankfully also, to be clear, I, I wasn't raped or assaulted on October 2nd. I left the bar, I was drugged at with a couple of girlfriends, and I quickly started to realize something was wrong once I was with them. So I got myself home, and my partner got me to the hospital from there. I recovered physically within about a week, and I had the support of an excellent partner and some excellent friends to help me. But a number of things about this incident triggered a shift in me. Because this wasn't the first time I'd been drugged. Um, It had happened a couple of times when I was with my ex-husband. And I've suspected more recently that he was the one who did it. He also raped me countless times during our relationship. This was something I'd started to come to terms with over the year leading up to the incident in October. But having this very particular horrific experience called up memories and trauma that I was not prepared for, um, nor had I fully processed yet in that year. I found in the wake of this incident that uh, even though whoever had drugged me had not otherwise harmed my body, I still felt raped and violated in every part of my body, um, especially my liver and my kidneys, which makes sense, given those organs probably had to work overtime to process the drugs out. So... This left me feeling sort of torn apart, or like torn open. I felt my body more than I had in a really long time. I felt pain and discomfort and even pleasure in ways I had long ago numbed myself to. And along with that came a surge in what I call the witchy shit. So like without going into exhaustive detail about what witchy shit means for me. I just want to give you kind of a brief picture of it so that you can understand sort of what I'm talking about. Because essentially, I've, I've long been a somewhat stubbornly DIY witch. I was raised very oppressively religious, as you know if you listen to the first episode. And as a result of that, I'm, I'm incredibly shy of anyone else's system or rules affecting my own like spiritual practice. But I've been feeling things spiritually since I was really small. And in fact, it's part of what led me to poetry, because the way to express things in words that are difficult to explain in more formal, clear language, my my particular strength with it is being able to feel and understand like other human beings, dead or alive, like to sense them and their shadows and their impressions upon places or objects, um, and to listen to when they try to tell me something. Um, And it can express itself in a lot of forms, including listening to spirits of dead people, or like... Being so intuitive with people who are alive that it seems almost like I'm reading their minds, I can pick up memories or feelings from places where people have been. And sometimes I also pick up on thoughts or fears or feelings or um, maybe even memories that like masses of people feel or have felt. The only real like formal thing I do is, besides like a little bit of dabbling in tarot and astrology, which I'm still kind of messing around with and getting a feel for but like I also read fortunes in Turkish coffee grounds. Um, I learned from my family. And I under- the way I understand that is essentially like that my ancestors are feeding me information and I'm just using a particular medium to do it. So that's still kind of even the formal stuff I do sort of falls in line with this like reading human beings thing. But I particularly feel these things through my body itself. And lately more than anyone, I've been feeling my ancestors. I'm Armenian, which most of you will understand means I carry with me some pretty severe intergenerational trauma, the genocide and so on and, and diaspora. And recently, um, after it felt like my body was torn apart or torn open, I began to feel all the things I've been feeling for years escalate in a pretty extreme way. Like, since about mid-2016, I've been sensing that something bad was coming, and it was part of why I started working for Unpopular Opinion, because Adam, uh, Adam Todd Brown from Unpops, he was one of the few people insisting that we take Trump seriously back then, like, before anyone else was taking him seriously, and I just wanted to work for him because I was like, someone's got to do something, and, like, something real is happening. Um, and it's also early the next year, like, right after the election, uh, why I ended up joining a socialist Organization and decided to become a much more involved activist than I'd been before. But starting October 2018, and then hitting a high point in about December, I experienced this like on a scale I've never even come close to before. It started to just continue to escalate. I like, um, I began feeling like a near constant sense of urgency, both in my body and in whatever part of us it is that senses the spiritual. Um, that seems like it's sort of part of your body, but maybe a little bit disconnected. It's not like in a particular location. I felt myself like honing in on a few very important people and issues and like suddenly and easily weeding out unimportant excesses in my life. Like out of nowhere, it was just really easy for me to be like, oh, very clear to me what I want to do and what I don't want to do and who needs my attention and who doesn't and who I need in my life and who I don't. About a month after the hospital incident, I went to my then primary partner and a close friend of ours about rearranging our relationships with each other. Um, And in the wake of that, we actually opened a polyamorous triad, which to me, that was inextricably related to what I'd been feeling, and I was open with them both about that. I I knew that something bad was coming and coming soon, and I knew we would need, all all of us would need each other closer. Um, I particularly knew I would need both of them, but I also had this sense that they would need to be closer to each other, too, if we're going to properly support each other through whatever it is that's coming. And it was good timing, too, because it was not very long afterward that I had a, a very intense spiritual experience that I have still not recovered from, nor do I expect I ever fully will. And this was the the peak I'm talking about in December. Oh, my God, cat! My cat is trying to interrupt. Please ignore her. So one day in December, one of my partners and I were having sex, which in the wake of the hospital incident, we had been doing with a lot more care and intention than we had before because I was, I was explicitly trying to feel myself during it to like experience the pleasure more fully and not numb myself to it like I had learned to do as a survival mechanism with my ex-husband. You know, everything that got called up during that made me sort of want to reorient and, um... My partner was very supportive. Uh, both both have been, but um, with him especially, because we had uh, an already existing sexual pattern to change to change to like fit my new needs. So we were trying to practice this. Um, and then there was a moment, uh, it was very brief and very minimal, where the angle wasn't quite right, and I got bumped a bit too hard in the cervix. Um, I'm sorry if this is TMI. People who, who practice this kind of sex will know what I mean. Though when I say, like, this is very ordinary, you just kind of say, ow, and you rearrange a bit, it's, you know, a normal part of, like, figuring out the right angle as you go, and uh, this time, it triggered just a complete frenzy, like, I immediately began to cry and say, I can I can feel it, it hurts, and then very quickly, feeling my own body suddenly and being sort of shocked by it, cascaded into feeling everything and everyone, and I mean everyone who has ever existed I I don't even completely remember like I don't remember the way my body was moving I don't remember exactly what was happening with me but I just remember what it felt like and I remember saying I can feel them all I can feel them all over and over again um, while sobbing hysterically and uh, I began to feel myself kind of center in closer and closer on specific groups of people like first it was everyone and then it was my ancestors and then it was the women and the babies and then it was specifically the mothers who lost babies and i felt just this unimaginable amount of terror and grief and fear and pain and just screaming and i clutched at this place on my stomach like just below my breasts and like behind my lower ribs where it felt like it was all focused and i found out liver or (laughs) liver, I found out later that this is where my liver is located, which struck me because Armenians seem to have a special relationship to their liver, uh, something I've been picking up recently. It's not uncommon to hear them refer to one another as my liver the way that English speakers might say, like, my dear or my heart. So that was, like... I was like, "Oh my god, like I had this pain this not pain, but I had this like sensation right here and then I found out later like, oh, and that's where my liver is, which is also significant after what happened in the hospital and feeling like that particular part of me had been sort of scraped out." So, it calmed down slightly from that like initial peak of like freaking out during sex but I was in pretty excruciating like spiritual and emotional pain and my body was in this like feverish shaky state for the next at at least two days and both of my partners responded beautifully and importantly and like this incident only validated my drive to reach for them the way that I had it became really clear to me that my ancestors were desperate to be heard and needed me to be able to listen and I knew also that to be able to listen to them I would have to be able to stay open to the voices coming through my body and coming to me from the world around me. So I consulted a friend who's a trained witch. (laughs) She's not DIY. (laughs) And uh, she advised me to set up an altar for them, which I've done, and which has definitely lessened the physical impact of my connection to my ancestors. And I've also started wearing a cross around my neck along with my pentacle, which is definitely a conversation starting contradiction because I am... Especially because my pentacle is broken and it hangs upside down. So then it looks like a satanic pentagram. <laughs> so I've got like the satanic looking symbol and then also like a giant cross. Anyway, it's, it's funny. But I started wearing the cross specifically because I knew that my ancestors would understand what that meant, even though I don't actually consider myself a Christian, um, at least anymore. But I still do feel this kind of constant tenderness in the area of my liver that sometimes experiences pangs in response to, like, the world and emotional responses, Um, and I think, honestly, that it might always. It feels a little bit like when you hurt your knee and it heals and, like, technically everything's back together, but when the weather gets bad or if you walk on it a really long time, you can just kind of feel it in a way that you never could before, and that's how I feel about my liver. So this connects back to this podcast because I believe – That all these experiences, these things that drive me so urgently to like rearrange my relationships and my priorities and push me to prepare for things to become worse are deeply related to what's happening in the world. And something that I've long known I could offer is like just a unique eye on politics and the future. Even if I'm not the most well-educated or the most philosophical or the strongest in theory or strategy or even the most charismatic or influential person. I I know that what I have is a a bizarre set of talents and an even more bizarre set of experiences to offer to conversations about politics. And nothing has forced me to recognize that as much as my recent experiences, both spiritual and interpersonal. And as the podcast continues, I'll talk more about my personal experiences and my spiritual experiences, um, like the ways that my poetry and political work connect in, and the deep importance of the personal, like not just individually personal and not just systemically personal, like identities, but the real human to human interaction of it all. Like the phenomenon that Sylvia Federici talks about with her work on the commons, which I'm sure I'll talk more about that as well, and also this thing that I refer to as this sense of we which I think is absolutely key in this work and can't actually be separated from the way that I feel my ancestors screaming in my liver or the way I can be and feel when I'm part of three and not just part of two or even part of several twos because I've I've been poly for a very long time but I have never been one equal member of a three-part relationship before and all of this is deeply important to me and is at the core of my political work and political perspectives And I can't think of a better way to make use of what it is that I'm actually good at than to be very frank and personal with you here on this podcast. Which is funny because I had to be sort of pushed into doing this episode by circumstance. I had recorded an episode with my two partners about philosophy and how poetry and philosophy are connected and why they're important to the left. And when I opened the file to edit it, I found that half of it was missing. And it was only when I realized I'd have to cobble together a last-minute episode to be able to publish something this week that it hit me that I needed to do this. And I immediately knew it was the right thing to do. Sometimes that's just how it happens. So I hope it's given a bit of clarity to what I'm trying to do here and why I've set it up the way I have, like as a podcast with such an odd combination of topics. So to close out, I want to read you a poem I wrote recently that is as yet unpublished it's meant to go at the end of my third book of poetry war dreams which i've just finished writing and is currently in the editing stage it's called the poem at the end of the book and before i read it i just want to let you know that you can find me on twitter at dirty pinko or at comic wisdom and that if you have anything to say whether that's suggestions or criticism or requests or or honestly anything at all feel free to dm me on twitter or contact me at dirty pinko at gmail.com And please take care of yourselves and each other. Things are going to get harder, and we can face them together if we get serious about what taking care of each other means. I really believe that. I love you all, truly. So here's the poem. Self-consciously, I consider conclusions. How to end any book of poetry, much less one about the future. Us... We agree not to come to conclusions. We have to trust each other enough to open, not close with endings and answers. There is no we without petals vulnerable to the sun, without labor pains and open eyes. We are not a destruction. This is what all of it means. I begin to build both a nest and a battalion out of those who have the same dreams as me, dreams of war and darkness, who know in their bones that we have no chance without the kind of change that breaks and bends and groans before it heals. The end of times, when love has never mattered more. Tomorrow, one of many toward the hope of a dawn.